welcome to Next in Ed. I'm Joe. And I'm Julie. Julie, we have more than one uh, guest we with have us today. extra guest today. We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, for the first time, so happy about that. we would like to introduce uh, into one of our recorded podcasts, uh, one of our producers, yes. uh, Dr. Pamela Moore. Pam, it's great to have you with us today. Welcome, Dr. Pam. Hi, this is very exciting. I'm just very interested in, in how this is done, and I can't wait for it to start and the right. conversation to begin. Glad right. to be here. Pam has been working with us the whole time and uh, guiding us and advising us, and it's been a great asset. Yeah, very much behind the scenes. Yeah, very. Uh, that's what I was going <laughs> to yeah. say, behind the scenes. And so this is her, her first time to sit down uh, behind the microphone uh, with the headset on and, yeah. and looking like a podcaster. You yeah. look good, Pam. Okay. As I told Joe earlier, I want to see how the sausage gets made. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Julie, tell us about uh, our guest today. Okay. Today we have a very special guest, Mary Keeling. She is from Newport News, Virginia, and she's the supervisor of the library and media services for the public school district there in Newport News City. So, but she is also the president of the American Association of School Librarians, which is, sounds really like a big title. Yeah, it's also a, the AASL, but you know about us and acronyms. acronyms. Right. So that's a national organization. That's a national organization. And we're really looking forward to learning about what that organization does for students, for education in the country, and, um, you know, where, where they are involved to go forward in education. Well, Mary, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. We're happy to have you. If you don't mind, uh, it seems like reaching the point where you are the president of a national organization like that uh, doesn't just happen overnight. So can you walk us through a little bit about your your background with, with library and how you got to right. the point where you are today? Well, I, I was an avid reader as a child. Um, I had I was fortunate enough to have a, a really good school librarian. Um, my elementary school was funded with um, funds from the 1960s that created school libraries for the first time in, in, in elementary schools in Virginia. And my school librarian was a passionate advocate for reading. And um, I was passionate about reading about horses. And I read everything in the library about horses, fiction, nonfiction, poetry, whatever I could get my hands on. And when I was done, I told her there was nothing left to read. And so, you know, from there, I went to the public library and um, just, you know, would come home with bicycle baskets full of books and always wanted to work in a library and got my chance um, when I graduated college and I started working at Old Dominion University and I worked in technical services and from there I went to work at the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation and their research library and they were generous enough to fund my library degree and from there um, because of personal situations and my family needs I decided that going to work in a school library suited my schedule and my family's needs much better than working for a corporate entity and so um, I was an elementary librarian for nine years and really loved having my summers off um, and was not really interested in becoming a supervisor but I 
was always the one who opened my mouth. And so when the supervisor job came open, I was encouraged to apply for it. And so I, I did. And so in that role, um, I had achieved national board certification the year earlier, and that had really opened my eyes to the power of school libraries to transform a learning experience and the power of reflection to transform how you go about teaching and learning. And I think that the national school board and the national board certification process really changed me and, and um, enabled me to see things from a big picture perspective. So as supervisor, the first my first real leadership role was in my state association and um, a, f a fellow national board certified librarian was pres president elect at the time and she called me up and asked me to serve on her conference planning committee and um, and that was her goal was to get more national board certified school librarians involved in um, in the association and so I did that and then from there you know I did the luncheon arrangements and then from there I did program arrangements um, I was concurrent sessions chair for two years in a row I don't recommend that to anybody <laughs> but, but it was a lot of fun and I found that I really enjoyed shaping what the participants would learn so then as president of the association I became involved in AASL and then um, as, as a member of the what is now the chapter assembly but was called affiliate assembly then and I loved it I loved having the opportunity to have these big conversations with people with really great experiences so I was really hooked and so after um, my state association supported my travel but after they stopped because I you know rotated out of office I continued to go to national conferences well, I was not a huge fan of the standards and guidelines, the pre the guidelines for the was it the orange book, the previous standards version. So when we had the opportunity to rewrite the National School Library standards, I put my name forward for that. And I was not selected for the editorial board, but I was asked to chair the implementation task force. And I said, Very OK, important. I'll do that. And so. Um, my next step then was to run for president oh and so that's, um that's yeah a, that's so that's a good kind path. of yeah. how i got to where i am <laughs> okay well i do have to say that um as far as national board certification that i recently mentored um and worked with our school media specialist for her to get her national board certification in library media and it, it is very eye-opening and it, it is yes. such an important important thing so i'm just glad to hear about that um, in your role with that, so. Absolutely, and I know that that is not uh, an easy accomplishment to get that no, national I, board certification. I passed with three points to spare. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, hey. Passing is passing. Nobody needs to know that. And right? now you're I mean, president <laughs> of the American Association for School Libraries for the country, so, you know, it, it really does um, lead to other things and a, and a passion, you know, for yeah. what you do. So. Absolutely. So talk to us about, uh, we're, we're at that point now, you've, you've become the president of this national organization. So what kinds of things uh, does the organization do and in your role with your, your public school uh, system where you are as the supervisor there, 
what kinds of things does uh, do both of those afford for you in terms of being able to to reach children and advocate for uh, library uh, libraries and librarians? What what does that look like for you? Okay, so let me speak to my role in Newport News public schools first, and then I'll talk about the national role. So one of the things that I have done in Newport News is, um, you know, as I looked around at all of the school libraries, I was really struck with how a child's experience would be very different in one school versus another school versus another school. Huge difference in quality of collections, in the instructional program, that kind of thing. And so I was fortunate to take my job at a time when we were rewriting curriculum using the understanding by design framework. So I got trained in that and we had the opportunity to promote a library curriculum. At the same time, we had a number of people in our district who had trained with Audrey Church at Longwood University and were very familiar with information search process models and advocated for a district-wide search model. And so I said, who wants to play? And there were about maybe nine or 10 people who worked together on a committee to evaluate all of the information search process models that were out there and come up with one for us. And they said, we don't like any of them. We want to design our own. So for the last, this is now 14, 15 years, I have been working with district librarians to embrace a model that is very much like the guided inquiry model um, that Leslie Maniotis and Carol Colfell promote. So, but we learned along the way, I mean, it's gone through several revisions, but it's now um, used quite frequently in um, the language arts curricula um, at both elementary and secondary levels. So part part of my role was training the librarians in using that um, information search process model. And, and then another thing that I've done has been to sort of standardize how we develop our collections. So, you know, the collection management, collection development is funded at the district level. So there's a fairly uniform amount of funding across the school district for library materials. But again, both all the collections looked really different. One might be extremely heavy in fiction and not have very much current nonfiction. And so um, we have developed a um, budget justification process that ensures that they can articulate what it is they've selected and how it is um, meeting school needs. Um, This past year we did an extensive training using the National School Library Standards and um, it was was basically an online course using Google Classroom, self-directed, pretty much um, some voluntary opportunities to choose projects based on the standards. So I feel like I've advocated for learners by working with the librarians to develop their instructional strategies um, around the standards and around research proven models of learning. All right, that's so important to, to stick to those standards and 
to help train the other people is is really um, a show of yeah. advocacy. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy that that part of my job. Um, so there's another thing that we did um, in terms of you know we talk about collaboration being such a value for school librarians and um, and we also have done some training on on collaborative learning processes and people said well I know how to have a conversation I don't need to do this and then when you sit back and observe the conversation you realize there really isn't much of a conversation some people say a lot and some people say nothing and so we've done a lot of those kinds of protocols that were really supposed to be aimed at helping them develop those collaborative learning processes with students. Okay, so in in um, AASL as president, so that's an interesting role. Um, thousand members all over the world, and AASL has about six thousand members. AASL is the only national association that is solely devoted to the concerns of school librarians. Um, we have some affinity with other youth divisions in ALA, um, the Association for Library Services to Children and the Young Adult Library Services Association, but there's a, a fair amount of crossover with them in terms of our interest in youth literature, but many, many of their members and their programming deal with programming in the public library. So AASL's focus is more on the kind of curricular focus that we have in schools. And so our mission is to empower leaders to transform teaching and learning. We just adopted um, a strategic plan this year, um, and we have three main goals. One is to activate leaders in our members. A lot of times school librarians, leader, a leader is one of the five um, roles of a school librarian, but many lib school librarians don't really see themselves as leaders. And so our goal is to activate the leader within mm -hmm. each school librarian. We know that there is something in each of us that's passionate and we can lead. And, but finding what that is and activating that and making people feel confident and comfortable in their leadership role is what we're after. I'm excited about that point. If I could just interrupt you there, that's a very exciting point because as a as an elementary school teacher, I feel like the, the library is the hub of the school. Right. It's always even physically in the center almost, isn't mm -hmm. it? it in, is. in the center. Yeah. So, well, there are some authors who, who say that a school librarian is often the intellectual um, intellectual leader of a school because they have so much such broad knowledge of so many subjects and they know where to find more information okay. and um, and and working in that kind of environment you see connections across disciplines mm -hmm. and can and that you know I feel like that can really enrich a conversation for our students um, so our second goal is to influence influence educational policy our goal is to have a school librarian in every school and we have a lot of school districts across the United States that have a school librarian in the district that is the district librarian, but the school libraries are staffed by paraprofessionals. So we want to work with that as a challenge. And then the third goal is to promote research that will um, 
speak to what the best practices are in school libraries and sort of inform practice. Um, our core values, um, we wish to have our core values reflected in our strategic operational plan. And those are innovation, collaboration, equity, diversity, and inclusion, learning, and intellectual freedom. Mm -hmm. And so this, this, uh, this strategic plan is very exciting to me because the core ideas for this plan were developed in a conversation of a hundred of our member leaders. And so it, it really, that conversation really did surface a lot of fantastic ideas and, um, and as the board of directors discussed it and looked at it and moved ideas around, we came up with what I think is a very succinct and actionable um, strategic plan. I think it's also very easily translatable to others beyond the field. As you just listed those three main points of the strategic plan, that is information that can be shared with teachers and other educators, administrators, to understand the importance of a school librarian. So I think that it's not in terminology that would be difficult to understand if you were not a school librarian. Instead, it's pretty clear, straightforward, that anyone could see those goals and know that it's for the betterment of education for all. I think that's a good point, Pam, because I feel like a lot of people need to know those goals, not just the librarians, not just, you know, that that needs to be a part of the educational umbrella. And because I feel like, or I see or observe that their media specialists, school librarians are underutilized. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, Either with their either by the leadership or teachers not having time or not through the lack of effort of the school librarian. Absolutely, <laughs> but Absolutely. just right, just other factors that come in. So I I think uh, you know as someone on the outside that is not a librarian, the kinds of things that you just talked about might be surprising to some people because. You know, maybe it, it, you conjure up in your mind the idea of the librarian. If you if you had a librarian at your school when you were in school, is they were in the library, and when you went to go check out a book, they were the person that checked it out for you. But what you're talking about is so much more than that. And and Julie also mentioned uh, the other title that I think is used a lot more today as media specialist. And so I, I wanted to ask you about that. This idea that. And maybe it's always been this way, but it, it seems as someone looking in from the outside, it seems to be uh, more so over the last you know, few decades, this idea that the librarian, you know, you mentioned at the hub of the school, but also this idea of a media specialist, it seems like that's, that's a whole nother role and a lot more responsibility Beyond and, books. and mm -hmm. maybe, uh, you know, maybe people aren't thinking about what all the librarian can actually do at the school and the, and the kinds of knowledge that you were just talking about that they had. It seems like it's just so much more than what maybe, you know, people on the outside would think. So it's really interesting that um, the terminology has evolved over time and the term media specialist was introduced in National School Library Standards 
I want to say in the mid 60s, in a response to the um, amount of media, you know, Mm -hmm. film strips and movies and um, educational TV. And so the library, you know, educational media was going to save us, right? And so the school librarian was um, the place, the person who sort of curated that material and made it accessible to the teachers and the learning community. And it was considered a more modern term than school librarian. But as we were in the fight of our lives in the during the last Great Recession um, in 2009-2010, we found that our voice was fractured by the number of ways we described ourselves. So when we called legislative offices, we people said, I'm calling, I'm a media specialist. Somebody else might say, I'm a teacher librarian. Somebody else would say, I'm a school librarian. Somebody else would say, I'm a, there's another term, information specialist. So there might've been five or six different labels for a school librarian. And so when legislation wasn't passed that would have protected school librarianship as a a valid and valuable role in schools, we said, well, all these people called and they, you know, people said, well, we only heard from 50 or so school librarians and we heard from 50 or so media specialists and we heard from 50 or so information specialists. So we divided our voice by calling ourselves different things. So now we, we are moving back to using the term school librarian because everybody knows what a librarian is. Mm-hmm. And a school librarian is a librarian in a school. Sometimes kids will call us the library teacher and people, you know, kids, that's probably uh, very, um, that resonates with a lot of people. And I want to say Oregon, they call themselves teacher librarians. Mm-hmm because of the position of the union, that it positions them as in a stronger role. But um, I find that people are confused by the term media specialist. They might, they think we are maybe the people who do the press releases. (laughs) Um, So information specialist is now the broader term for that one of five roles of a school librarian. Um, And information comes in different kinds of media in addition to online resources. So so that's an interesting shift in the terminology over the last few years. And I, I haven't made a I haven't made a stand about that in my district. Um, in our state, our license is for school library media specialist. And so our job title, you know, the official job title in my district is school library media specialist, but I always speak of us as the school librarians. So I, and I'll correct anybody, you know, like my librarians will call themselves media specialists. I figure that's not, um, that's not an important fight. I don't right. go after that right. one, but, um, but the name of our association is school librarians. And, and we, know that there are like five roles under that umbrella term information specialist um leader information i said information specialist leader uh 
collaborative partner. I can't, the right. fifth one I can never remember. That's but, okay. um, well, you know, but a collaborative partner, teaching partner. I was going to say, I know mm-hmm. the educator, the teacher part. The teacher Definitely part is because that really distinguishes uh, the role from other types of librarians because as a school library media specialist, and I think my certificate says that as well, oh. my teaching certificate says that, but as a school library media specialist, uh, the school part, the educator part, the teaching and learning is right. a vast part of the role that you serve. You have to, you are a teacher as well as these other things. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that Joe mentioned about that, ev- the evolution of that terminology. Mm-hmm. And so with that, what you're doing now with the strategic plan, uh, what do you see as what's next? You know, what is next for the AASL? What is next for library media? Um, what is coming? So it's really interesting what's next because we, um, ASL had invested in Zoom technology before the pandemic, and we were using it. We were using it for committee meetings and um, that sort of thing and offering it to the state chapters that are affiliated with us. But on March 24th, we had our first town hall. We had 500 people show up for it. Amazing. And people just wanted to get together and talk. And so we continued to have them weekly. We had 10 town halls. And um, as we worked through it, we focused the conversation on different themes in each week. Um, So we see that as has a way that we learned from the pandemic, how we can use the technology that we've invested in to connect people across the country Mm. and help each other learn from each other from from other people so that was pretty amazing one of the first things that came out of that first town hall was um, a digital trans translation model from the new york city school library group Um, we asked them to write a blog about it and so it was a way that they had developed very quickly to show if this is your role in a face-to-face environment this is the comparable role in an online environment. So we're going to move very quickly into um, expanding our roles in the online environment. As educators go into a more blended learning model, um, school librarians are going to find themselves um, needed to curate electronic resources that teachers and learners can access easily. Um, So we're my district is adopting a learning management system that we have not had before and so we will be looking for ways to integrate library resources into that um, embed library resources into coursework and embed library assisted learning into coursework so one of my school librarians a high school librarian has developed a number of projects with faculty that are like Google Classroom assisted inquiry projects. And so it is a, like a self-tutoring model where the, the Google page, Google site page steps the through, student through the inquiry process. So in this stage, my job is to get some background information. Mm-hmm. In this stage, my job is to develop my question. In this, like right. that. So, right. so it is, you don't bring the kids to the library to do that. They can access it using um, web technology. Um, one of the things we've learned 
is how social school is. Um, our librarians have um, visited classrooms when they've had when the teachers have had zoom meetings with their classes and the kids are so eager to see the librarian's face and so um, I think that's why so many of us did story time online was because we wanted to put our faces out there we wanted to make mm -hmm. personal connections with our learners so I think one of the um, unexpected benefits of that was that our learners saw our school librarians side by side with their teacher yes. not as a drop-off and so I think that um, opens the door to better collaborative relationships with our our teacher partners in the schools um, I think that uh, a lot of our librarians did a great an amazing job of reaching out individually to students I have a number of librarians in my district that actually wrote postcards to kids and letters to kids um, many of oh, them sent great. emails one of them um, we just we just figured out how we, it's the capacity has been there but we just now have put our we haven't had student email addresses before now and now we have student email addresses at the secondary level and so we have imported student email addresses into our library management system so one of the librarians is, she says I'm greedy I want to know how I can use the library management system to reach out to them more directly and not have it just be about your book is due or you have these things checked out right. so I she's pretty innovative I think she's going to uh, pursue that and that's one thing she said she says this pandemic has caused us to be more creative about how we reach kids mm -hmm. so I think that we'll see a lot of creativity develop over the next few months Mary will you share this. about the surveys that school librarians were asked to reply back to I think there were a series of three survey questions about that right there were um, the questions were about what did they do during the pandemic to support teachers and learners lots and lots of them I mean maybe 90% of them provided resources 85% of them provided support to teachers and how to use um, electronic teaching structures um, a lot of you know nobody was ready for this so librarians found themselves in a role to provide professional development to their teacher colleagues um, in accessing resources and in using things like Screencastify to record um, a little tutorial or something like that. Um, some of them, a lot of people said they wanted to figure out how to provide physical books to kids. That turned out to be a very small number as we became more concerned about transmission of the virus schools were closed and people could not get in to deliver books but we saw there was an article in the Washington Post I think yesterday a middle school librarian in Virginia is using drones to deliver books to kids wow. just started Whoa. doing this that is yes. that talk about innovation and yes. creativity so, uh, yes. librarians so I think that's incredibly innovative. exciting they're innovative but it's also their passion and heart really to cool. serve their students I mean Absolutely. that's that's really the bottom line is they want to serve their students they want to serve their teachers um I know that they really just had 
what do I do? You know, I need to do something. And, and what is that? And so that, what a creative way right. to deliver and, real books. Right. My librarians have done an amazing job of coming together during this pandemic. We, we had a, a professional development series that was going to conclude the week that we closed school. And I turned it into an online thing and bumbling through it. You know, I, I, we're all learning as we go through this. Yeah. Yeah, We all learned as we go. And, um, and they came to office hours every week, maybe more than half of them would come every week for office hours. Some were not able to come. They don't have a particularly my assistants. They don't have internet at home or if they log on, it has to be using their um, data plan on Mm -hmm. their phones. Mm -hmm. So one important thing that I know, I think our, um, our states and our federal government absolutely have to do is to treat internet access and devices as a utility. Yes. So why aren't the publishers of online textbooks providing devices as a way to access the textbook? I remember hearing Doug Johnson talk about this idea 10 years ago when we were talking about ebooks. He said the ebook, the the device itself is going to become cheap. $5 throwaway. The content is what's valuable. Mm -hmm. So why aren't the publishers providing devices as a way for the kids to access the content. Because heaven knows they're making a bundle of money <laughs> off of their textbooks. Right. Um, our, our governments need to provide broadband access in our communities. Um, it cannot be dependent on um, our um, telecom telecommunications providers mm-hmm. that are profit oriented because rural areas are never going to be profitable for them. Right. So. I think that that's an important piece about the equity and access and with and with that amazing profound thought of what to go ahead with and what's next in ed. Yeah, absolutely. We've had other guests that have, have talked about that too. So Mary, I hope you'll consider coming back to speak with us again. We'd love to kind of recap um, where we left off here and, and see mm-hmm. maybe some- down the line what has actually transpired. And Those are um, some powerful points, I absolutely. think. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So thank sure, you so much for, for joining us today. And Pam, it was great to thank have you, you in the so studio. Glad to have well. you in the studio, Pam. Wonderful information, Mary. Always Absolutely. very good to hear I'm from a, you. I'm excited. Thank about, you, Pam. About thank what you so AASM much for inviting me. Yes. Absolutely. So for those of you listening, uh, please be sure to join us next time as Julie and I continue to explore what's, what's next, next in Ed. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast so others can find us. The Next in Ed podcast is brought to you by the Mobile County Public Schools IT Department in partnership with the Department of Counseling and Instructional Sciences at the University of South Alabama. Engineered by Tim VP Media Production. Music by Justin Matthews. Hosted by Dr. Joe Gaston and Julie Neidhart. Follow us on Twitter at NextInEd and on Facebook. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They are not necessarily acting as official representatives for their schools, universities, organizations, or places of employment. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.